morning, St. Michael's, please stand. Lord, we're just so grateful this morning to be here in your presence. We thank you for the newness that you bring us. We thank you that you set us free. And we thank you that you're still moving amongst us. Lord, and we just lift up praises to you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.
Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Almighty and merciful Lord, grant you absolution, remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of His Holy Spirit. Amen.
Lord be with you. With your spirit. Let us pray together the Colette. Let us pray. Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan, proclaimed him your beloved son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior. To him and you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. Amen. <laughs> children. Do we have any children today? Where is our army? An army of one, two? That's enough. We will win. <laughs> All right. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would watch over, keep, and bless these young warriors. Fill them, Lord God, with your great and holy spirit. Let's wait for these guys. We want to bless them too. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you. I bless these, all these children, Lord God, in your name, that you would make them mighty and great warriors in your kingdom. Thank you. Happy New Year to you too. Go fight win. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> 
Our first lesson this morning is from Isaiah, chapter 42, verse 1, commencing. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged, till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Thus says the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison those who sit in darkness from the prison house. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 29. Let us read responsively by the half verse. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. He makes them also skip like a calf. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. The Lord will give strength to his people. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. This morning's second reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 10, beginning in verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth 
with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The word of the Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Are you coming to me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we just lift up this day to you. We thank you for welcoming us into your baptism through our own baptism, Lord. We pray that you would help us to understand this mystery as we unpack your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. We had a wedding last weekend. Uh, Congratulations to Kristen and Jake Oberschelt, um, two of our favorite people. Uh, and we got to celebrate the holidays the week before. We had New Year's Eve, Christmas, and now it feels like, well, let me just say this. Father Powell, Dad, and myself spent all day yesterday working on our house, trying to fix things and make things better. And that kind of feels like what the beginning of the year often is for us. We have an opportunity to reevaluate, to look at what's going on in our life, and to see what we need to do to achieve the things that God has set before us. And I just want to remind us to put ourselves in a posture where we're really looking for what he wants to do and not just what we want to do. Because I could give you a list of the things that I want to do. They're miles and miles long, those lists. But unless the house is built on the foundation of God, it shall not stand. Unless the Lord builds the house, it shall not stand. And so let's try and build our house this year with that in mind. And I want to argue that the foundations of our house that we want to lay this year, each one of us, is rooted in joy and peace. That's what we, I mentioned last time I was up here, that we want to enter this season with joy and peace. And of course, I made the, repeated the joke of Father Powell, if you want joy and peace this year, then dig your foxholes deep. You know, a foxhole is a trench because we're going into warfare, and so you need to prepare yourself 
to fight the battle for joy and peace this year. And it is a battle. In fact, we've got a couple of clues to that in our reading today. In Psalm 29, that's talking up God's power, His glory. You know, all of creation uh, is proclaiming the glory of the Lord. Look at all these wonderful things He's done. He split the cedars. He is over the waters. All of these things. And then it gives his greatest feat of all in the last verse. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. I would argue that there is no greater thing that God does than bring peace and strength to his people. And how did he do that? He did that through Jesus Christ. That's what the angels told us at his birth. Peace and goodwill to men. And we need the strength of the Lord to maintain peace in the midst of the conflict that we see in this day and age. And not only that, I would argue that this strength is also related to our joy. Because what do we, we say it pretty frequently in Christian circles. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So we actually need the strength of God not only for our peace, but also for our joy. And today, I want to talk about the plan that's been laid out before us for joy and peace. And that is found in our baptism. In every baptism service, you actually hear the words that give you the plan for joy and peace in your life. So let's look at our collect as we begin this morning. It says, Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan, Proclaimed him your beloved son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Grant that all who are baptized in his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. So in this collect, there's a little hint about what I'm talking about today. It says, May that all who are baptized in his name may keep the covenant they have made. Did you know your baptism wasn't just a saving act of grace, but actually you were entering into a covenant with God in that moment? We say it every baptism, but I think we don't listen or uh, think through the implications. What is a covenant? Well, the most common one nowadays that we see is marriage, right? What we just saw last Saturday. They made a covenant to one another. With one another. It's a binding agreement that actually changes the nature of those who are involved. Now, Kristen and Jake are one flesh, right? Because of this covenant. But it comes with requirements. They can actually break the covenant, right? They are actually called to give and serve one another in mutual love and respect. And that demands boundaries over their behavior. But I will tell you, marriage is the greatest thing that ever happened to me, even though it greatly restricts my freedom. It tells me I can't do whatever I want, believe it or not. Yeah, thank God, Father Powell says. I have to love and serve my wife, and that requires me to lay down my will for hers. And in a good relationship, you do that together. And you have joy and peace. But it is a struggle, right? It is hard to maintain joy and peace in your relationship. 
But by the power of the covenant, by the power of the covenant that wasn't just you and your wife, but actually God witnesses and blesses and infuses that covenant with his strength and ability because it's a sacrament. By that power, you can maintain joy and peace with your wife as you live throughout your life. In the same way, we enter into a covenant with God in our baptism. It's like the marriage covenant. Our whole identity has changed. Jesus Christ has become now our brother, and we have become co-heirs with him. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us and changes us and revitalizes us. But there's actually a part of our baptism that also, like a marriage covenant, requires something of us. And just like the marriage covenant, if you go around violating that, you're not going to get the benefits of the joy and the peace that you've been called to in Christ. God will give you anything you will let him. But letting God give you his blessings requires something of us. It's not just like opening a present on Christmas morning. You actually have to put yourself in a posture to receive what he has for you. That's what Jesus did in his baptism. Jesus Christ, perfect. I mean, you all know somebody who you look at and you're like, that person's perfect. And, you, and it probably makes you mad sometimes. Like, gosh, why are they so perfect? They just seem, everything seems to turn up aces for them. And they just never make any mistakes. Like, come on. I could name a couple people in this room, but I won't, you know, who can appear to us to be perfect. This is an actual perfect guy. Lived his entire life in complete love and obedience how infuriating would he be but also how wonderful right and yet when john who's yelling at the religious leaders you brood of vipers you hypocrites he's calling people to repentance he's prophetically condemning the way that they aren't following god and he's saying come and repent jesus puts himself in a posture to receive what god has for him even though he didn't need to repent. He humbled himself in every stage of his life. The greatest thing that Christ does is he constantly is humbling himself, even unto his death on the cross. And he stands in that river, and God pours out his anointing and his blessing and his affirmation on him because he put himself in a posture to receive it. In fact, I would argue that if Jesus didn't humble himself and submit to his baptism, then God couldn't affirm him as this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased because he wouldn't have put himself in the posture to receive it. Now, maybe that's academic, right? It's like counting the number of angels on a needle, right? How many angels can stand on a pinpoint or whatever? It's an academic question because obviously Jesus was perfect and he chose to do so. We have no idea what would happen if Jesus was rebellious. It doesn't make any sense. But my point here is to say that you have to put yourself in a posture to receive what God has for you. And that's how real relationships work. Imagine you have a relationship with somebody at work where they are, and I know this term is thrown around a lot, but I'm going to use it anyway, abusive towards you. Is it loving of you and helpful in that relationship for you to just let them walk all over you? Sometimes the answer is no, actually. The loving thing to do is to actually mark a boundary with them. And that you can actually create a better relationship with somebody by following certain guidelines, certain rules. By not letting them walk over you. In the same way, God our Father will not let us abuse our covenant 
and bless us in our disobedience. He loves you so much that he will actually continually offer you the opportunity to repent and return to him so that he can love and bless you. I'm trying to talk around this idea that, yes, 100%, Jesus is the one who establishes the covenant with you. You don't have to do anything to earn it. But if you want to go where he wants to take you, it requires obedience and submission. It requires something of us in our covenant. We are called and invited, not condemned or shamed, but called and invited to hold up our end of the bargain. So what is our baptismal covenant? Well, we say it every time we baptize anyone. We say, let us then renew our baptismal covenant. And what's the first thing we say? The Apostles' Creed. Because first and foremost, we are a people of faith. First and foremost, before any behavior, we're just called to believe God and what he says. Why? Because faith not only... Sorry, faith guides and empowers and transforms us. We see that throughout the Bible. In the great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So what does faith do? It gives us a direction. He didn't know where to go, but he, by faith, left his father's house to follow where God leads. So first, we're people of faith because it will guide us. It will show us the direction to go. It empowers us. How many times did Jesus say, go your way, your faith has made you well? It actually allows us, by faith, to tap into that spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we're given at baptism. And it transforms us. Well, when he says your faith has made you well, he doesn't just mean physical. Your faith actually heals you of your spiritual and emotional hurts by the power of Jesus. So wherever you're at, get some faith. Now we're we're told that God has given each one of us a portion of faith that we can stand on, and I think we over-spiritualize it sometimes. I think that faith can be best summed up as just doing what God says. Because when you believe that God has given you the command, and when you believe that it's right to follow him, it will necessarily result in acting differently. That faith without works is dead. That actually, when I talk about believing correctly, it requires an embodied response. I'm here on Sunday morning because I believe God is here on Sunday morning. And I believe he wants to meet us here. I'm here Sometimes early, getting ready for the service, always early getting ready for the service. And that's because I believe that it's important that this service serves you in this room. Because I think God loves you more than you can imagine. And if I can be doing what, if I can be doing what God wants done, then that's worth it for me to get up early on a Sunday morning. So if I can do anything before the service that makes your ability to encounter him better, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. But that comes out of my faith. It's really hard to obey God if you don't believe him. It's almost impossible, I would argue. So just look for the places where God's inviting you and commanding you and try to follow him and just watch your faith grow. 
Because the more you obey him, the more you will see him show up. That's how he operates. It makes room for him in your life when you obey him and his commands. Now, we start with the Apostles' Creed, but then there's a bunch of statements afterwards, a lot of questions to you in our covenant that really clarify what are we called to do as baptized believers, as Christians. And so this is the Christian life we're going to talk through real quick. I'm just going to give you a quick summary. What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it's all found in our baptismal covenant. Number one, will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of the bread and the prayers? And we all respond, we will. The apostles' teaching could be found, so I'm breaking this up a little bit. The apostles' teaching could be found in the scriptures, in the tradition of the church. Hopefully, within this sermon, you're hearing some of the apostles' teaching. Hopefully, every time you meet together in a home group, you're hearing the apostles' teaching out of the word of God and what the home group leaders and attendees have learned over their years as a Christian. The traditions of the church guard the apostles' teaching that we might inherit understanding of what they said and understanding of what the Bible means. Even in our liturgy, the apostles' teaching is baked into everything we say and do. Now, there's some people who want to tell you that the Bible is really not that important. And there's some easy objections that come forward. Even when I sit down to read the Bible, it's like, the Bible's not relevant to my situation today. They're talking about people up to 6,000 years ago, even before, and they're dealing with tribal cultures and genealogies. How does that apply to me today? Well, my encouragement to you is to ask the Holy Spirit to help you when you're reading it, because you know who was there when it was being written? It was the Holy Spirit. You have direct access to the guy the, the person of the Trinity who inspired the words that are written in that Bible. And you know what? Some days doesn't feel like a lot happens when I read my Bible. Some days it's like, oh my gosh, I've never, I've read this before, but I've never seen it. And the word comes alive in your heart and it's awesome and wonderful and great and more power to you. Let's have more of that. But some days it feels like, eh, not much happened. And maybe you think, I don't even remember what I read yesterday. It obviously can't be affecting me. Well, I don't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday, but it fed me. I don't remember what I ate two weeks ago, but it nourished me. It caused me to grow this way more than this way, but, you know, whatever. There's something in the Bible where even if you don't have that epiphany moment, right? We just celebrated epiphany. Even if you don't have that revelation it feeds you. It nourishes your soul. It's the word of life. So read your Bible. Or maybe you know all the stories of the Bible. You've read them before. Why should you read it? Well, I've known my wife now we've been, since we were dating, it's been almost 10 years. Should I just stop dating her? Because I know her. Why should I ask her questions about what's going on? I know her. No, the, we're told that the Bible is living and active sharper than a two-edged sword, that it actually has something to teach us. Haley and I went on a great date last night, and it was refreshing and renewing and good. And in the same way, we're called to get to know Jesus through the Bible. It's not because this book, the Bible, is like so this amazing thing, and if you burn a Bible, then like, you know, Jesus is going to strike you with lightning. That's not it. It's actually a pathway to him. It's our method 
one of our primary methods of getting to know Jesus. So let's continue to develop that relationship with him because we've only scratched the surface of how good God is. Don't you want to know how good God is? Okay, so that's the apostles' teachings. Then it says fellowship. Well, what's fellowship, what fellowship is it referring to? The apostles' teaching and fellowship. Well, of course, first and foremost, it's referring to Sunday mornings when we come together as the body of Christ to worship God. But it also refers to home groups, potlucks, work days. Fellowship could be even more individual. It's when your brother is sick and you go to the hospital and you pray for him. Man, we've had a lot of people opposing the fellowship of the saints. A lot of opportunities to oppose the fellowship of the saints. COVID-19 and the responses to it. Every man has to make their call with Jesus about how to lead their family. And every woman has to get right with God and get wisdom and insight on how to operate. All of us are called to do that 100%. But just be aware that there is a battle against coming together and spending time together. That doesn't just mean in our holy days. That means across our culture. There are people who haven't hung out with friends or family for years because they're afraid of COVID. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. So just be aware that it's important that you're here today. It's important that you meet with one another, that you fellowship with one another, that you go to a home group, that you do these things. I will tell you, there's nothing better that I did last year than be a part of a home group. I'm not joking, because the year before, we didn't have home groups. They were all virtual. And then we got our home groups up and running, and it has been such a blessing to me and my family to be a part of a home group. It's been awesome. Find ways to press into the fellowship. And let me just tell you, COVID-19 and the response is not the only argument against fellowship. We're also overwhelmed with entertainment and comfort. You know? There's a sense in our culture where you could be happier than anybody in the history of the world, locked in your room, watching a beautifully multi-million dollar production and sleeping in your memory foam mattress and eating your sushi from across the world. You know, it's like we have everything. We have so much access. There was that meme going around about all the celebrities during COVID were posting about how, you know, oh, it's so hard, but we're still with you in their multi-million dollar mansion, you know, and people are like, come on. But to be fair, what are we complaining about? We have almost the same access to luxury as they do. Maybe you don't have a gold-plated tub, but you definitely have hot water 24-7. That's a luxury only kings enjoyed in the past. We have so much. Don't be lulled into this false sense of comfort. It's way easier to stay home, let me tell you, and just watch our TV and eat our food and be comfortable and cozy. Even going out to dinner last night, there's a moment where we were working all day and we're both tired. We're like, should we even go? And we were like, no, we want to go and pursue this adventure that is marriage. Right? We had to choose that. It's not like we wouldn't have been spending time together at home, but there was something in us that needed to go and do and break bread together at a restaurant that's different. You know, that's just a small example, but there's, that's true for each one of us. Don't forsake the fellowshipping of the saints. And then it says, and breaking bread, which plays right into this, right? Because, of course, they're talking about the Eucharist, and that's the most important symbol. The body of Christ has always gathered around the table of the Lord. 
That's been the central practice of worship in the Christian faith. And 100%, that is wonderful and valuable. Please gather for the Eucharist. There's plenty of opportunities to find other things to do on Sunday morning. Trust me, there is. There's so many things vying for our attention and our attendance. It's easy to sleep in because you had a great party the night before and to show up halfway through the service because why does it matter? I'm getting the table. Well, guess what? The Eucharist is the whole service. This is not at all a condemning message. It's an invitation to press into the fullness of what God has for us because he has more. He always has more. There's no end to what he wants to do in your life to promote joy and peace. And some of the ways that we do that is by actually taking this covenant seriously and pressing in to what he has for us in the basic things that make up the Christian life, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of the bread, and the prayers. The prayers might be the hardest one. Honestly, all of these are hard, but the prayers are hard. Have you gotten up and gone to pray and then realized that there were 73 other things you could do before work to make your day better? Why am I not cleaning out my inbox right now? Why am I not, you know, building a new, uh, you know, shelf for my garage? Why am I not doing all these things in the morning when I take time to pray that I could be doing to make my day go better? Well, the number one reason is so that you stop worshiping your own productivity and start worshiping God's power. Because what does it say to spend that time praying? It says, actually, nothing I can do is more important than what he can do in this situation. That's what you say when you pray instead of just diving in. Now, I'm not saying don't go to work. I mean, go to work. Get your stuff done. Man is saved by the sweat of his brow. 100%. We love work in this church. Let me tell you. I look out, and there are hard workers here. We love our work days. We love doing things. We love activity. But find that time to give it to God, too. There's a reason why we tithe. There's a reason why we're encouraged to take a Sabbath. Because we're giving a portion of what God's given to us, to him, to remind ourselves that it's about what he can do and not what we can do. And in the same way, give a portion of each day to pray and to ask him to be your strength, your joy, your peace. Continue to do the things in your covenant. I'm going to just kind of read through some of these. I don't have to talk about them for long, but it says, Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? And we all say, we will. We say it with such gusto in the baptism service. But how many of us persevere in resisting evil? I love the Apostle Paul has that line. It's like, You think your life's hard, but have any of you even persevered in resisting sin unto bloodshed? You've not even resisted until somebody was trying to hurt you. But the great point is perseverance is not just in resisting evil. It's actually persevering that whenever you fall into sin, you repent and return to the Lord. Repent and return are the two most hopeful words in this whole sermon. Because we just can't get it right the first time. We're not perfect. We're going to sin. So as long as you remember to repent and return to the Lord, so that's turn away from your wicked ways and come to God, he will absolutely forgive you and raise you up. There is nowhere you can go where repent and return won't save you. 
There's not a single thing you can do where repent and return won't save you. And I mean that because of the great grace and mercy of Christ, not because of any skill on our, our part. And then it says, will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God and Christ? And you guys are going to say we will this time, okay? We will. We will, we will proclaim by word and example the good news of Christ. If there's one thing that this world is hungry for, it is good news. Everybody thinks that the world's hungry for fear-mongering and clickbait. But that's like giving a kid candy when they're hungry for dinner. It might in the moment feel better, but it is momentary. Sweet in the mouth, bitter in the stomach. Right? That's what clickbait is. But what the world is truly hungry for, and they're trying to fill it with all other things, entertainment, sex, drugs, alcohol, rock and roll, (laughs) to list the classics. Um, What the world is trying to fill their hunger with will not satisfy. But what will is the good news, the gospel. So let's proclaim the gospel. It's really hard, and you probably are bad at it. But the only way to get better is to practice. You're probably bad at it, I know, because every time I've done it, I've been pretty lousy. So I'm assuming, I mean, if you guys are good at it, teach me how, please. Because we need to tell the world the good news, and we need to get better at that. That doesn't mean walking around with tracks and doing hokey things. It just means ask God to help you know how to tell people who he is. And it probably has to do with telling them what God has done in your life. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? We will. Okay, one more time. We will. Seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? He doesn't mean all. can't mean all, right? It can't mean that guy down the road who cut me off on the freeway. It can't mean my boss. It can't mean fill in the blank. And yet it does. It means all persons. Loving your neighbor as yourself. But it's like seek and serve Christ in all persons. So it's even higher than loving them as yourself because sometimes we're bad at loving ourselves. We need to know who God has called us to be and who God made us to be in order to love ourselves. So get that straight. But we're also supposed to serve each other as if Christ is in them because he is. That's a hard one. If you can figure this one out, let me know. I need help. We need prayer and practice for this one. Just practice it and give it up to prayer because only God can make us the type of people. That's what makes Christianity so good. You hear all these stories about people who forgive the murderer of their son because Jesus is in them. That's a witness. You want to proclaim the good news? Seek and serve Christ and those around you. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people? This is the last one. And respect the dignity of every human being, born and unborn. And we say, we will. Now, this is a popular one today. Justice, right? Or what's the, what's the chant? No justice, no peace. Well, we're called to strive for justice and peace among all peoples. We actually have the answer to that chant. No justice, no peace. Jesus is the answer. Christians, the body of Christ on earth, are the answer to justice and peace in the world. We're called to strive for justice in a way where we aren't even allowed to vilify the offenders. 
It would be really easy to bring justice if all it meant was vindicating all of our people and condemning all of their people. Then we'd live in a just world. No, we're actually called to live in a world where loving one another and forgiveness are the foundation of our relationships. And that will bring justice by the power of Jesus. And submitting everything to our King and Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is that justice already is here. That the kingdom of God is already here. That peace is already here. And we get to participate in it and bring it to those around us. It doesn't mean that all the world's problems are solved. But it means that the victory is won and we're actually living out of victory. Requires a lot of prayer, a lot of faith, a lot of loving one another. But we can do it because God is our strength, our joy, our peace. Now, if you're feeling the weight of all of those things, the great thing about the baptism of Jesus is that it is the baptism with which we identify. That actually when Christ was affirmed as my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, it's the same voice of God that when you were baptized said, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. We can do all this because our identity is in God and Christ. And what's the purpose of all this stuff that we do? And we'll end on this. In our Old Testament we read, I, the Lord, have called you. And I want you to think of you as the you. It's referring to Jesus, but we get to participate in that calling. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. We're actually here as the people of Christ to set the world free. And we get to start with ourselves, thank God. So if you feel bounded by depression, despair, anxiety, loneliness, there's an answer here. There's an answer in the Spirit of God that will hold your hand, that will bring you to where you've been called. So this year, let's make our houses houses of joy and peace by the strength of God. Amen? Continue with the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. 
and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, through the grace of our baptism, we have access to the Father and are able to bring our needs before Him. That the whole church, made one through her common baptism, will strive toward unity, that the world will know that Jesus came from God the Father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our our prayer. That those who are suffering for the sake of the gospel will, will be assured of God's abiding presence among them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That nations will acknowledge that their authority and the basic rights of those they govern come from God alone. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That those who are without hope and searching for meaning in life will come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and realize his perfect plan for them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That those who are preparing for baptism and confirmation will have their faith deepened. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That each of us will renew our own baptismal covenant by renouncing the world, the flesh, and the devil, and serve God and his holy church faithfully. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of all creation, your favor rests upon your beloved Son. Hear our prayer and fill us with your Holy Spirit, that like Jesus, we may be instruments of your goodness and love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And with your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbors with the peace of the Lord. Peace. The Lord be with you. Announcements this week. Just some things on your calendar to be aware of. And I don't know if they're going to show up here. There we go. Men's meeting, Saturday. Be there or be square. Also, next Sunday is the Lord Giver of Life Sunday. Um, we, uh, we talk about in the CEC, especially that weekend, our organization, CEC for Life, and we take up a special offering for that. They're fighting the fight and in the battle. And we want to encourage them and provide for them. So that's coming up too. And then also mark your calendars for ladies retreat. Anything else? Anything else? What's going on? I think that's it. Okay. Let's pray for the offering. As we are prepared to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. Come to the table. The Lord be with you. With your Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, our powerful and ever living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because in Jesus Christ our Lord you have received us as your sons and daughters, made us citizens of your kingdom, and given us the Holy Spirit, to guide us into all truth. And so with all the choirs of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise.
Lord, you are holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, a death he freely accepted, he took bread. He gave you thanks, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, our Bishop Douglas, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Connie, Susan, Carl, Serena... Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Maria, Denise, Mike, the McManus family, Matthew, the Lilly family, the Marines and sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. You can add the names of the people you're praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, May we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have the courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to his supper. Amen.
the River Jordan, which we all did in baptism, which is exactly what you're hearing about in the Word today. So, you know, I hope that God will bless you and give you peace and joy in this coming year as you walk out your baptism in the world. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. As you go out from this place, always remember the gospel, that God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself and not counting your sins against you. God loves you, God has forgiven you, God is not mad at you, and God will never leave you nor forsake you. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen. Amen.